0: Hey, by the way, the Raiders scored 63 points last night, and the Chargers fired their coach.
3: I got a question. I'm going to steal Literally. this one from, from Bill Simmons yeah, and Cousin Sal. Where would you where would you want to get fired from? Like, where would you, if you're Brandon Staley, would you rather get fired after a home game or on a Friday morning in Las Vegas? <laughs> like, what the hell? Stay here for the weekend. At home. Just live it up.
0: I just want to go home. Oh, I'd no, rather be I'm, we, I know you would. Yeah, we we going. to in Vegas. We're just know, going. It depends. Is that yeah. buyout hitting that same weekend too, that buyout money?
3: Yes.
1: Let's say yes. Then I'm staying in Vegas.
0: <laughs> James. What's up, Baron? Plus, uh,
1: Vegas, you can just take a car ride home. Because my concern would be if I got fired in Vegas, eventually I got to go get on a plane. And then I might sit to, next to some Yahoo on the plane that wants to talk to me about me getting fired. hmm so wow. I don't know just, that I want to go out rich, on a limb and say, whatever.
0: no one leaving Las Vegas gives a damn about Brandon Staley. <laughs> you imagine <laughs> a a fan coming home. You got to sit next to, Hey, <laughs>
3: and look, it's easy for me to say, cause I'm not the one getting fired, but I'm rich. <laughs> talk to me about getting fired. I don't care. You know how much money they're paying me to fire me. Sure. Let's talk about
0: it. Anytime, let's have
3: this hour flight. Uh, talk about it.
0: Anytime you get paid <laughs> to be fired, you did. Okay. That's true. You did lots a- and lots
1: of money to get fired.
0: Uh, you're listening to Dilo and Casey on KIFM, West Sacramento, 98.5 FM, Karex, QHD2, Sacramento, ESPN, 1320, always live on the free Odyssey app and live there goes with our main man the other half of the There's Big insiders. Dom
3: here as I rewatch Niners.
0: Oh, well, there's Dom, <laughs> yep, and uh, James <laughs> Ham is the enforcer here of ESPN, 1320 and the host of the insiders. Uh, James, we just came to the realization that the NBA put out their MVP ladder list and Fox is nowhere to be found. As a matter of fact, of all of the thirty-point scorers in the league, there is one who is not in the top fifteen of their MVP rankings. Do you want to guess which one that
1: is? It, that's wild. I mean, De'Aaron Fox. I'm assuming, but yes, like, how do you have a a ladder missing a rung? <laughs> like that. That doesn't make any sense. That like, like it's just. I hate to say it, it's just bad reporting. Like at the end of the day, it is like, I'm not sure why we have like, people make lists all the time. I I have railed on lists forever. Me and Kyle had, we've, we've done multiple shows on how much we hate lists. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what this is. It's just a, it's a list by somebody who clearly doesn't watch enough basketball. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, if you don't think he's a top 15 player, well, you're wrong. Like it is, that's, that's a fact. He is a top 15 NBA player. He's probably a top eight NBA player right now. You just, like, you can't avoid it. Like, statistically speaking, however you want to look at it, like, and I'm assuming demonis Sabonis isn't on the list either, even though he finished last season second in the league in win shares. Like, those things matter. Like, this, these are impactful players. Uh, their team is 14-9. and nine. They're good. They're right in the thick of it in the Western Conference, you know, and, like, get... It is disrespectful. Like, I I would, if I'm De'Aaron Fox, I'm just shaking my head. Because those are, if that's the way they're thinking and that's how they're promoting your team, that's not good come, like, all-star time.
3: Yeah. I I, I agree. And that's what the conversation we just were having about, you know, Mm -hmm. it seems impossible that this would happen. But the fact that we may have to sweat out De'Aaron making an all-star team, It's crazy.
0: (laughs) The fact that we'll have to sweat out De'Aaron making an all-star team more than De'Aaron's going to sweat it out is crazy.
1: (laughs) Kenny, there's a guy who put a list out that had Brock Purdy as a 32nd quarterback in the NFL. And then uh, moved him to, like, number 22 after eight weeks and still had Tom Brady and, like, other dudes who are horrible at football and ahead of him. Like, I, so, you know, again, Kyler Murray was ahead of Brock Purdy after Brock Purdy had played eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, like, these are lists you just look at and you shake your head and go, you know what? Don't be a casual. Don't be a casual, whoever it is. And I, I don't know who's writing it. But, yeah, makes me it makes me question why anyone would go to the nba.com uh, mm-hmm. to read an article.
0: I, I think we should start knowing who coaches vote for, too. Because mm. I'll start looking up. I'm sorry, Darren torched your ass, Mark Dagnall, for 43, and you picked who? Right. Yeah, I'm going to start yeah. looking. I'm going to start. I think we should start. Y- y'all like transparency?
1: Mm-hmm. Give me
0: some transparency when we see who these coaches vote for uh, for the All-Star game. Uh, James, it's always a lot more fun after the Sacramento Kings win, as they did, 128-123 to 123 last night. Um, it's a lot of fun when the superstar on the team goes for 43. It's been kind of a weird day, though. The Jake Fisher thing got a lot of people talking about what Toronto wants uh, for Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi. And, of course, from Sacramento, that was Keegan Murray. The article clearly states that's too steep of a price for Sacramento. They're not interested in And it. it's just created all sorts of conversations about how do you take the next step forward? Who are you willing to trade? What, what, what's what's what is the best acquisition out there? There's a variety of different names that are out there. With December fifteenth being here and this being, I guess, the official start of trade season, is there one that you like over the other, and are any of these James realistic?
1: Um. As far as like what what were the options for the Kings, like here?
0: Siakam is out there, OG's out there, there's Marken and noise again, there's Zach Levine noise. Um, those are ones okay. you, you, you hear about a lot,
1: yeah. So, um, I, when it comes to Toronto, this is how we started the conversation last year with this whole deal, and I remember you guys got upset with me and then made sure everyone knew that James said that the Kings were going to trade Keegan Murray. Um, I remember that. Yeah. You remember this, right? When you guys did this thing. Yeah. 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 I remember James hates Keegan and James is trying to trade Keegan. Yes. Okay. So it was, this is basically all I was saying. If the Kings call and say, Hey, I want Pascal Siakam Toronto on the other line says, I would like Keegan Murray. That's how the conversation starts.
0: And money goes, the, those two things don't match because my player has years left with your franchise. And click. yeah, your player yeah. has a month and a half with mine.
1: Yeah. Well, the problem the Kings have is that the only way for them to land a Pascal Siakam is very simple. Mm-hmm. They have to trade for Pascal Siakam. And that means they have to outbid other teams for Pascal Siakam. It's not a, they do not have an option in free agency to go out and chase a Pascal Siakam because they don't have any free agent money to spend for the next couple of years. And so if you're going to land him, that means that you go into a competitive pool of teams looking to improve themselves, all of which who have to come up with some way to match salary with a guy who makes 38 million bucks and who's in the last year of his deal and who may or may not want to sign with your franchise. So there's so many layers to this that, like, as soon as Keegan Murray comes up, the the phone hangs up. That's it, right? So, you listed a couple other players like Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. Yeah, I take, take, take both of them. I take either one of them. I take both of them. Like, but I I don't know, like, I'm not giving up Keegan Murray for a six month or three month rental of either one of those guys. Uh, that's this one just makes not the Kings the best.
0: Which one puts the Kings like, in and we can make this Herder Barnes, however you want to work it. Which one of these completely fictitious trade scenarios put the Kings in the best position?
1: Yeah, so I was of the the opinion that it would be OG. That would be that was where I I've been for the last like a year. I I really like OG and Anobi as a player. I think he's a guy who steps in and basically he's just like. Harrison Barnes last year, the year before Harrison Barnes on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, he's elite. He can defend one through five, and he's really, really good, and he's physical, and he can change your whole approach. As we've gotten further and further along in this whole deal, I am I might be leaning more towards Pascal Siakam at this point. I think Pascal is a better player overall. I think he's a solid defender. He's a solid rebound, not not a great rebounder. Um, he's a really good scorer. He's usually a really good three-point shooter, but he hasn't been this year. But the other thing is he's a really good passer and creator. And so I think that this team still needs that piece that goes with Sabonis. So when Sabonis steps off the floor, you don't take this big dip and you don't have to figure out a different way to play the game. And that's where I think Siakam can play the four and the five. And in this situation, you would s- slide Keegan Murray to the three, and I think the Kings would be like I, I like Western Conference contenders, uh, like, and that means NBA contenders with Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have to gut your whole team to get there, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at Pascal as like a different type of player. I also understand that once you make a move for him you're pretty much toast because if you're going to have to pay him $40 million a year, then you're going to have three $40 million players. And then if Keegan Murray becomes the player you think he is, then he's going to become a $30 million player. And if Malik Monk wants to stick around, next thing you know, that's another $78 million over four years. And so it's not my money. It's Vivek's money, but that's we're already looking at like, I don't know, what is that, $180 million without even like really breaking into the math of it and yeah. that like, how do you, how do you feel the rest of your roster in that situation? And I guess you nickel and dime it and you figure it out, but that's where Siakam really is difficult because he's going to ask for, he's going to want just basically straight up 40 million a year for the next five years.
3: And and to be honest with you, if you, if you're making that move with, for Siakam uh, thinking that you're putting yourself in the category of being an NBA champion, I wouldn't, once again, it's not my money. It's easy for me to say, but I wouldn't have a problem with it. Like, that's that's five guys right there that you've built your franchise on. Yeah, absolutely, you go nickel and dime everything else everywhere. You know, rookies, uh, I don't know if you have mid level, but little stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's the key just,
1: analysis of the world.
3: Right. That's yeah. just, those five, which should be enough, which is like what Denver has or anybody else at Phoenix. Like, that's. Yeah, I'd, I'd have no problem being maxed out financially with those five guys.
1: Yeah, I, I think it comes down to how much you're going to have to shell out for luxury tax, how much you're – all that stuff. And uh, be a repeat offender, is there a point where you lose your draft picks? Like, there there's a lot of questions that you have to answer when it comes to this, and I th- I would just say that it goes down to, like, advanced roster building and looking not just this season and not next season, but, like – Three, four, five, six, seven years out. Like, how do you manage this? And that's going to take, you know, Monty McNair, Wes Wilcox, and like a big, gigantic abacus to like sit there and move all the pieces around and try to figure it out. Um, but that's that's always kind of the concern. Like, if you're going to go to that level of player, then maybe event maybe you do have to move Keegan because Keegan is the player who's going to make thirty. And maybe you need to settle in on two $15 million players to go with the other, uh, you know, $40 million players. And I'm not saying that that's where I would go. I'm saying that that's part of the equation. You have to start breaking down the math and what it looks like three years from now. And, you know, if you're not a contender, what that looks like and how to get out from underneath some of that money and all that. So um, I don't, I still think the the Kings at this point, like there are players in the league. if, if, you know, for some reason, Milwaukee calls and says, "We'll give you Giannis Antetokounmpo for Keegan Murray." You have to say yes, mm. right? Mm. Think about but it. but then they're like, "What's the tier? The level? How how far do you think if you still believe that Keegan Murray's an all star and you don't have to pay him really for another, you know, two plus years, like, and, and you think he's going to be an all star, you're not trading him for Lori Markkinen." And I, mm-hmm. I know that, like, I asked that question last year, and that wasn't happening. They think Keegan Murray will be better a better player than Laurie Markkinen. Although I do love, I do love me some, like, Laurie Marketin on a front line with Keegan Murray and Demontis Sabonis. I'm all in. If you can make that happen somehow, I'm all in.
0: And I think part of the reason some of these conversations escalated a bit, not just uh, the reports, not just December 15th, but the fact that the Kings got a win last night, which is awesome. They beat a, a Western Conference foe. They they beat a young and up-and-coming team. They beat a, a massive superstar in, in Shea Gildress Alexander with our own massive superstar in De'Aaron Fox. But, man, it was hard to, to notice, and maybe you didn't notice in the moment because of what De'Aaron and Domas and Malik were doing, but man, that box score looks pretty bare again. When it comes to Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes and James, these games are starting to add up, and I think that's you know you 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 get into the hey you know the Kings it's, it's all right the Kings got to win. Well, they didn't win against the Clippers the uh, a couple of days ago, and they had damn near identical you know box scores to what they did last night. And Herter's games are starting to add up a little bit. King's friends are always going to have a radar when it comes to what Harrison Barnes is doing, and now it's. I think the conversation has become, "Oh, that's good." How far can we actually go with this team if these guys are up and down like this?
1: Well, I think it's a great question. I think that there is concern about, um, you know, everything, everything you just laid out. I, I had written one of my six quick thoughts, and then I swapped it out at the last second. Was that Harrison Barnes had just completely vanished, and not only had he completely vanished, but Mike had stopped going to him. And like there was a point where Harrison Barnes had played like I think he only played six minutes in the first half, and so he was making a coaching decision to say, "Hey, we're not doing this. We're not doing this again." Uh, Harrison rebounded and, and played all right down the stretch, but his numbers were still like really, really bad. Um, you know, like he, he just wasn't that effective. I I thought defensively he was okay, but like overall, I don't think he was that effective. Uh, when it comes to herter, like his shots have stopped falling again and like his production is, is dipping so dramatically and it does coincide with Malik monk, just going out there and taking your minutes. And, and not only that, but Keon Ellis saying, okay, like, look, if I'm not the shooter that Kevin. Uh, Herder is, but maybe I am tonight. And now, next thing you know, he's five of six from three, and he's shooting thirty-eight percent from three, and shooting better than Kevin Herder from three-point range right now. So, um, like, I think that's one good thing about Mike Brown is they brought back the same team, but they really didn't bring back the same team. This isn't the same team at all. Like, like uh, sure, Demonte Sabonis is the same player he was last year. Just line up the stats; he's the same dude. Outside of that, De'Aaron Fox is averaging, what, six points more per game? It took this other, like, just monstrous leap. We're starting to see Keegan Murray heated up. We're starting to see Malik Monk is up over 25, point, uh, 25 minutes a game, and that's climbing, like, straight up just stealing your minutes. Davion Mitchell is completely out of the rotation. Keon Ellis is now the man. So, like, we're seeing it's the same group, but it's not the same team. These, this is not the same rotation. It's not the same players playing minutes. And so I think it's interesting, especially like when you start adding up all the extra shots that some of these guys are taking and some of the shots where those shots are coming from. I think it's pretty surprising. I didn't think it would kind of go this way, but I think it also opens a door for the Kings to like maybe make some moves that we didn't see coming even like two, three weeks ago.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. And that's the thing, right? Like, you got to ask yourself if the moves that are there to be made will help improve your team. You know what I mean? The guy talked earlier about making moves just to make moves. Mm -hmm. That's not what Monty's trying to do. And when you talk about improve the team, it's not just, oh, we're a little better here. It's We're trying to vault into a different category with the team that we have right now. Like, they don't play the same way they played last year, it feels like. You know Malik Monk and Fox—they've got the ball a little bit more, in my opinion, than they had last year. ISO pick and roll, all this other stuff. So you've got to get guys that complement that. Maybe Kevin Herter doesn't complement that anymore. Maybe he complemented what you pl- the way you played last year, mm-hmm. but this year you need um, a slasher or something like that. Maybe yeah. that's what you need, and I I feel like that's the evaluation process that's been going on these first twenty five games or so, and. I, I don't know. I think they, I think they're ready to make a move if need be. The question is, Ham, do they? Do you think they feel like they need to make a move
1: to go? Oh to- no, I, I definitely think like the noise you're hearing out there about the Kings wanting to be aggressive and and being open to things. Yeah, I mean, they understand that they that they have a really really good team but I don't think that anyone there believes they have like an over-the-top great team. Now I think that what they do believe is that, you know, there is a, a moment where, you know, you get into a playoff series against uh, like whoever it might be, like you get to the second round and you know, you, you somehow squeeze through mm-hmm. and you make it to the Western conference finals. And then all bets are off. Maybe the other team has an injury. Maybe you face another team in the finals. that has an injury. Mm-hmm. Maybe Maybe just somehow you're a bad matchup for somebody in the Western Conference Finals or in the finals. So I think that there's a way in which you can see that the Kings could somehow win something here, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's a way that you can guarantee it or that you feel really confident in it. And they're probably, you know, maybe one big piece, but that depends on how many smaller pieces it costs you to go get that one big piece. Mm -hmm away, um, you know, from being something that's like more, but like all of those things cost something. And so you have to, it's all risk reward. It's all like risk management. And you have no idea at the end of the day, whether all of the, the ingredients you throw in the pot are going to work together. And for right now, um, maybe you can like get through the next month on a wing and a prayer, and, and using guys, you know, and seeing how they fit and, and hoping that the chemistry starts to build and the defensive numbers start to uh, get better, but you still like you'd be crazy not to see like the hole that's in this roster still, and to try to attack that. And by attacking it, it's got to be with someone who's better than what you're the players you have right now.
0: Why are we acting like the Kings aren't already making moves? James, tell us about Juan Toscano-Anderson. 30 yeah, minutes so a I, game starting on Saturday against the Jazz.
1: Yeah, I really like him, to be honest with you. Um, you know, this is a higher energy guy. He's a guy who Mike Brown has a bunch of uh, you know, time with in Golden State. Yeah. I think the best part about him is is kind of the same thing that I've said about Keon Ellis. The best thing about Keon Ellis Keon Ellis is not asked to do anything differently than he's ever done in his entire career. Uh, as a basketball player, probably as a high school player, as a college player, as a G league player, you go out there, you play hard on the defensive end of the ball, you fight through screens. You know, we, we, Mike Brown had this crazy thing where he started talking about Bruce, uh, Bruce Bowen and comparing the way that Keon gets through a screen or a pin down to how Bruce Bowen did it. Uh, He kept saying that he's not Bruce Bowen. He's not Bruce Bowen, but um, he would like him to be Bruce Bowen. And the fact is that like, okay, maybe he is a guard version of, of Bruce bone. And so the thing about, uh, JTA, it's the same. It's that he has always been this, this player. And so you go out there, you play hard, you leave it all out there. You know exactly what your role is. Don't do anything stupid. Play within the confines of your role, bring energy, be a good guy in the locker room. And I think he can actually help. Now, it, does he mean? Does that mean he's going to be the difference between the Kings winning like an extra three games or something? I don't know. But what I I will tell you is that he fit in with the Golden State Warriors, and if he can fit in with the Golden State Warriors, and he understands how to fit in amongst a a group of you know Hall of Famers, he should be able to fit in on your team if he wants to stay in the league, and so that's a good thing. Where. The opposite would be maybe a Chris Duarte who's still trying to figure out how he fits in with the Kings. He, he's a third-year player, but he missed most of his second year. He doesn't know how to go out there and just straight-up fit in. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I think uh, Juan Toscano Anderson can help you. And it's him. a non-guaranteed contract. It, it, it is. it like At any point, they can drop back to 14 roster players. They can sign someone else, or they can make a two-for-one trade or three-for-four trade, whatever it might be. He is, it's a non-guaranteed deal. They can, you know, they have roster flexibility leading up to the deadline. They need it.
0: We'll come back. We'll talk more with our Kings insider of the insiders here, James Hamm with Dylan and Casey on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. All right, we're back here. Um, I'm a bad host and don't know which. Which sh- should we start with? Donovan and that ties into the draft thing. Donovan Mitchell yeah, came yeah, up. Good, yeah. The Cavs are dying, and it's really tough to watch. My man Evan Mobley's out. He's having, mm, mm. Uh, he's having a scope, which <laughs> he can recover from a scope. Like okay, he's going to have a tough go the rest of the season. Darius Garland is out like a month. They were already underachieving. J.B. Bickerstaff could be on the verge of the Brandon Staley treatment here coming up soon. Damn. There were already talks from Ham's boy, <laughs> Tim Bontemps, about, boy. about, hey, if I'm Cleveland, I trade I trade him yesterday. And he was saying that like five gone. months ago. He's gone. He's not staying. He's gone. Well, Bontemps is a turd, but he might be right. <laughs> he might be right on this one. Um and there's New York noise there's all sorts of noise that he's not going to sign any sort of extension with 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 Cleveland but it sparked the conversation as they all do would you do it so I ask you James mm-hmm. would you put together a deal for Donovan to get to Sacramento
1: okay so right now Donovan is owed 33.1 million this year 35.4 million next year 37 he has a player option in 2025, 26 at 37 million bucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd be on my short list of players. Like what's that? First with... of all, him and Go ahead. Sorry. That's my fault. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I think him and, and De'Aaron Fox have a really, really good relationship. They've been friends for a long time. Uh they played AAU ball together. They're in the same draft class. They're not in the same grade. Um, Donovan's a year older. And so he was always like a year older and yeah, I mean, like, look, this is a guy who coming into the, the league was an elite defensive prospect. And I think he's been a good, uh, defender in his career. Although he did have the last year in Utah where it was a hot mess and I don't know what happened to him on the defensive end overall though, like this would be a dynamic duo on the backcourt that would just be crazy. Mm. And so would it cost you Keegan Murray? It might, but you're getting a, a guy who averages 27 a game who, you know, has springs in his legs and would your, your back court would be undersized because he's not that big. Uh, and so pairing him with De'Aaron Fox side by side, but I think you could still be like super aggressive. Uh, you play passing lanes really well. I think you'd be okay defensively, to be honest. I, I don't know that you would take that big of a step back. Hmm. I, I, I like him. I think he's a leader. I think he's a uh, he's a guy that like is well respected around the league that everybody likes around the league. Like he has a lot of friends, a lot of friends around the league. The questions would be, could you get him to stick in Sacramento? Uh, maybe he does want to be a New York guy the rest of his career, which is, you know, something that I think people have put out there for a while that either are Nick fans or New York media yeah, it's facts. I think you get him in Nick's supporters.
0: <laughs> Not naming any yeah. names, James, but rhymes yeah. with KC. Wow! I said I wasn't cool. going to name any names. It rhymes
1: with.
3: Well, I just I responded to what it rhymes with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I just think that like he's a player that could really take you to another level, and where Zach Levine's never played defense in his life, Donovan Mitchell has. He's just a much better version of of, of, of Zach Levine, in my opinion, and someone who hasn't had the crazy injury history or anything else. And he's a guy who fits in. So, yeah, I I would make that's a guy I would swing for the fences for. Um, And that kind of like, I think the question you were you were asking is when do the Kings have draft picks that they can trade, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the kings if they make the playoffs their 2024 goes directly to the atlanta hawks if they don't make the playoffs it's still tied up in 25 and we have the same thing play out again but the protections move so i think it goes it originally was a 20 it was a lottery protected and then top 12 protected and then top 10 protected and it stays top 10 and if not it gets relayed as of right now what the kings can do is they can trade their 2026 first round pick, but it has an asterisk with it, and it says that if this isn't, if you get this pick, if 2024 is satisfied, if it's not, then you won't get it. You won't get this pick until 2027. Uh, seven, mm. If it could be twenty, the 2025 pick, and if it the 2025 pick doesn't get sent over, then it would be it would slide down to a 2028 pick. So the Kings could offer a 2026, a 2026, I a mean 2028, and a 2030 first-round pick right now. But they would have asterisks with them. And you can only trade out seven years, so someone would be taking a gamble that they might lose a first-round pick in 2030.
3: So so the asterisk comes off if they make the playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, as soon as they make the playoffs, then, then yeah, The pick is they can, they can, uh, the next level of picks goes. And,
3: and we, I think we always talk about this, uh, James.
1: If they wanted
3: to convert that to an automatic first rounder for Atlanta, they can do that. And then there wouldn't be an asterisk on that pick anymore, correct? On the
1: 27. Totally true. Yeah. They could go to Atlanta. And if Atlanta says yes, we'll take the pick, Mm -hmm. then that's one thing. But, you know, what if Atlanta wants one of these players the Kings are, are talking about? Then they could play hardball and say, no, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, we want a second-round pick to do that. Um, and then the Kings will be like, all right, well, we'll just wait till this summer, and then you won't have any say. So, yeah.
3: You you would – so my concern – you know I love Donovan Mitchell. You know I love him here in Sacramento. I do that. Absolutely. My concern is the years left on the deal, and I don't know if because he doesn't—he's got like a year and a half left—if I could give up Keegan Murray for the hope that I could resign him. I think you'd have a, yeah, that's—I think you'd have a really good chance of resigning him just because the Fox connection. I think he would love it here in Sacramento. I think you got a better chance than maybe Cleveland does, but. Eh, giving up Keegan in that deal. I, uh, yeah, that's asking a lot knowing I don't have him for three more years.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to keep saying this like any trade that the Kings are trying to work out, it's going to hopefully be without Keegan Murray in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, and, and there might not even be a way in which they would do it without it being like an over the moon, can't miss you know player x that like fits perfectly and everything goes right Mm -hmm. because if you were to give up keegan murray in a trade for donovan mitchell you're also going to have to give up another you know man you got a lot of money you're gonna have to give up so another 18 million bucks in salary so whether it's you know some sort of compilation of players or if it's uh Someone like a Kevin Herter or something. What you don't want to do is you don't want to take too many steps backwards to take a step, a potential step forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm the Kings, it would probably be a different package where you're offering up Herter, you're offering up Davion Mitchell, you're offering up Chris Duarte, and then like three first round picks. Mm -hmm. And and again, that might not be enough. It's probably not enough. So, but that's where I'm starting. I'm not, you know, I'm not going starting out with Keegan Murray as part of any deal and 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 again I would have to really sit down and and do the math here to figure it out but whether Donovan Mitchell reaches the level of player that I would ever consider that I think the Kings would consider trading uh, Keegan Murray for
0: there would be yeah. a
1: bidding war for him though
0: like more or so Donovan. Donovan yeah you more. you think so I do
3: with the the year and a half situation
0: um, I think you'd see a lot of the same teams. You mentioned Oklahoma City earlier. Oh yeah, Indiana, and that's, that's probably, where okay. that's the that's the thing. I, <laughs> them boys about ninety miles away. Because I start looking at contracts right mm-hmm. that can get moved, mm-hmm. and I I chuckled last week. I don't know. I if, I think I I don't know if I said it on the air or during a commercial. You know what? I think it was when the. Uh, Pacers, OG, Siakam stuff came up. Mm-hmm. A deciding factor, like, a, or not a deciding factor, a really strong component in a trade offer from the Pacers is Schiavano. Mm. It's a, it's a around $20 million expiring contract. Do you think that there's a, a uh, division situation
3: in that though? Like, I don't know if we trade Keegan uh, Murray to the Warriors. Yeah, You know um, what I'm saying? like Indiana and Cleveland if got their the offer
0: is good enough. I don't know. Like if the offer is good enough, do you really go? Because if you're, because Cle- if you're Cleveland, like what are you doing at this point? Like if you're Cleveland, like you're done, mm-hmm. aren't you? Like you're well for this season, but yeah, you yeah got young no, But you got, Mobley. you got, you got Mobley and you were, like, you're, you're. If, if if you're moving forward with this with Donovan, you're probably thinking Donovan's going to New York. It doesn't matter. Pacers can do whatever they want to. Donovan's going to New York. We know, most importantly, he's not staying here. Let's get what assets we can from them because you're getting the Schiavano contract. They're not re-signing him anyway, so that doesn't matter. Mm. And you're getting draft picks. Mm. So maybe you take a hit. You're taking a hit by trading Donovan Mitchell anyways. Maybe you take a hit for a year or two. You got Evan Mobley you know, still trying to find his legs a little bit and see if you can build anything from that.
1: That's good points. You still have Darius Garland. I mean, I think that's yeah, probably I like they have right now. Garland. Like, yeah. like this season might be shot, like this because of be the the, anyways, the two man. injuries. Like one yeah. day you lose two yeah. major pieces. I mean, tough. that's that's wild. Yeah. What Garland's out a weeks month. with a broken jaw, yeah. and then you've oh. got six to eight weeks for for Mobley. Yep. Yeah, that's that means that like you're gonna have a tough time recovering. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, look there's I need to go through and I need to make a list of what players like reach what criteria and it's based on, you know, length of contract. It's based on age. It's based on fit. Um, you know, and it's even based on like how good, like just straight up, how good are they? Like, is it a guy who averages 27 a game or is it more of a, I don't know. Like there, there are a lot of players that I I wouldn't even consider, trading you know getting into a conversation with keegan murray about mm-hmm. and it's it, to be honest it's most of the league there's there's only you know going to be a group a small grouping of players mm-hmm. that fit your player arc, that fit your age arc, that fit the things that you guys think that you're doing that, that fit the team mm-hmm. and you can't just like go out there and, and try to find another player that will mess with the chemistry that you've built with Domas and De'Aaron and, you know, Keegan all this, Uh, I don't know. I think there there are deals out there though. It's just, it's going to take the Kings to be, uh, you know, again, patient with what they're doing, but also like, how much do you think this roster, what is their ceiling? What is the maximum ceiling you can get to by making trade X or, you know, like that, that's going to be the biggest question. Are you swinging for the fences? Is it a short-term swing? Is a long-term swing? Can you bring someone back and lock them up long-term? These are all questions that you have to mull through when you're when you're a GM. You can't just like, you know, you're not swapping out baseball cards. It could be fun too, swapping out baseball
3: cards. It used to be when you oh, had this decade and everything. You know, I mean, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Now, I used to be,
0: I used to be in that game. Oh, yeah. I loved baseball. Yeah, me too. I was rich. I thought I was, <laughs> I I thought
3: I was paid. <laughs> A $35 Frank Um, Thomas card,
0: I'm paid. I remember the first time I got one of those Beckett's and saw Mickey Mantle's rookie card, and it was like $750. (laughs) I thought that was the most amazing thing in the world, and now it's like several, several million dollars. Yeah. Really should have followed through with that whole collecting base. I wonder what's
3: up with that. Uh, Why is it that card? Why isn't Willie Mays' rookie card worth that much?
0: It's usually the rarity know. of the card. That's true too.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. Why Hornets
0: Wagner somehow is It's the oddest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, there was only eight Horneus Wagners. Mm. That was that was the at one point there was only eight of them on in that were like ever made.
0: That's and funny.
1: so that's why his card, that card, that one specific and card I, was worth. And one would they come
0: else. with tobacco?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that's or where gum. The card- yeah. yeah.
0: That's so tobacco weird. cards well, initially different. yeah
3: it could be eight barry zito cards that
0: doesn't mean it should be worth 10 million dollars <laughs> well that's what that stuff is based off is the it's the rarity of the card like <laughs> what, there's crazy. a billy ripken card that has a bad word on the bat that's like super <laughs> yeah the bat rare. handle yeah F U. yeah it's oh no su-
1: f face oh that's, that's right. what it is
0: yeah yeah <laughs> The uh, yeah, 91 like, flare. I don't know how much the card is, but I know that was always a collector's <laughs> thing because there were so few of them because the first batch of the releases didn't catch the bad word. Uh-huh. And so if you got yeah. one of the original batches of releases, you got that card versus the ones where it was blacked out later. How much
3: does that uh, Mark Jackson card go for?
0: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> the one with the Hernandez brothers in it? That's uh, wild. Oh, the Menendez, Menendez brothers. The Menendez, Menendez. brothers. Yeah, 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 the Menendez brothers. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking about that. I think that's a hoops card, yeah, right? It's yeah. like the second year of hoops. Like, they had the weird rounded, like, where you're almost looking through a keyhole at the guy. Yeah. So the first year was white border. The second year, I believe, was silver bordered. And I, I, I think that's the card that has the Menendez brothers in like, courtside. Crazy. Well, Crazy. Random.
0: Y'all can't keep up with this show. Come on, man.
1: <laughs> I'm ask, we'll got, get Mark
0: Jackson on the phone. Hey, Mark, tell me about your... Rookie card with the uh, with the Menendez brothers in the background. Quick, that's out.
1: wild. I
0: <laughs> like Mark. Would like you,
1: I have a weird memory for uh, like movie boxes for sure. But you can show me a baseball card from probably the early '90s all the way through the like late '50s, and I can tell you what year the card is. Mm-hmm. Like what. What brand I mean most of them are tops of that year, but of that type, but I can tell you exactly what year that card is.
0: I can tell you what year uh Malik Monk may have become the most beloved king in recent memory and it's this year. He's that oh, yeah. dude. He is playing on an absolutely incredible level.
1: I'm hoping you didn't uh play the audio from our locker room talk with him last night because mm-hmm. uh, on the show that's nope. good. Nope. Um, yeah, because he was in a lively mood. He, uh, mm-hmm. he said he wasn't going to do media. Um, and then he kept telling Shannon, I'm, I'm not going to do media tomorrow. If I have to do media today, I hate, this is the worst part of the job. I hate these F, uh, I never understand uh, you know. that. I he was just, no, no, I mean, he was just messing with us. Uh, like he, he was just having a good time. Um, and then he turned around and uh, he may have said the S word. Um, uh, yeah, he, he got a little. Uh, a little loose with his uh, pre his post game. But again, he was having a good time. He's a joy to be around, he's a guy like, again, who just brings something different, makes everyone laugh, makes everyone smile. And I I really do think that he's a, a guy that like, if you can keep him around as long as you can, you have to, because at this point he's your third best player. And I don't even think it's like, you're hoping that Keegan gets there by the end of the season. But right now, like Malik Monk is your third best player. It doesn't matter wh- whether he's coming off the bench or he's starting. It doesn't matter. He, The second he steps on the floor, he's been spectacular. And there, Mike Brown is giving more and more and more to him every game. And you see the level of confidence in him and the faith in him growing with Mike Brown. And, yeah, he's, he's that dude. Uh, like, just really, really impressive how he's developed here in Sacramento.
0: Well, look, we, DPOG, he said, it's got to be me. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be
3: me. Yeah. Well, look, and we, we also got to, um, you know, show some show some love for uh, his playmaking. We, yep. we have nine assists last night.
0: Yep. Team Eight, I, yeah. nine assists. 18
3: points, nine assists. I mean, he's – not only is he playing well, you know, we forget sometimes with these guys because they've been in, you know, our lives in the NBA since they were 19 years old. He looks to be improving as a basketball player. His two years here in Sacramento – Whether it's given the opportunity, learning something, whatever. He has gotten better than he was the day he stepped here in Sacramento. He's getting better.
1: Without any doubt, he's a better player. And I hope that, again, I hope he puts that in the equation as to what's happening here. Like when he gets to this summer and he's trying to decide where he's going to go he needs to understand that not only the the culture that that's built been built here in Sacramento is great and he's been a huge part of that but also that this is a place that allowed him to flourish and become not just a player but like the personality he was going to be cuz he could have been, you know, the little brother in LA with the Lakers for another 4 years and we would have never got to see this whole side of him this situation gave him an avenue to to grow not only on the court, but as a person. And what Mike Brown not giving him free reign early in his career here in Sacramento and making him work for it, making him earn it, is huge. And now what we're seeing is that you have to have one of those three on the court at all times. And the best part is when you have two of them on the court. So now you have these tandems that you can play together whether it's Fox and Malik where they're playing off each other or it's De'Aaron and Domas where they're playing off each other or it's Domas and, and Malik where they're playing off each other, the pocket passes, the everything we're seeing from Malik and Domas together as a tandem is just wild. Like Domas's usage for the game last night had to have been like in the 40s. He had the ball in his hands all the time. I mean, he was moving it super quick, but every single play ran right through him.
3: Domas, we didn't, we didn't talk about this. Dommas played 40 forty, forty minutes last night.
0: Yeah. Man, he was out there. It's all, it, have we gotten and, and this is this is a tough question to ask with like two minutes left, James, but like have we gotten to the point where, you know, 18 and 17 and seven and forty minutes, we just that's what Domas does, and it doesn't really feel like a big deal anymore.
1: We just take it for granted. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just what he does. It's I think the whole league, the whole league is just once again taking him for granted. Oh, he's just doing it there in Sacramento. Like, oh, that's just what he does. Like, no, what he does is he's one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's so incredibly impactful. And even Fox brought it up last night. He's like, you know, Domas has played so much better defensively this year. Mm. He's like, he's stepped up like defensively. He's gotten so much better. He's stopping the, the drive at a different place from where it was last year. He's like, uh, yeah, like we shouldn't forget what he's doing. We shouldn't – like, don't lose sight of how good he is because he's really – he's a top-ten player in the NBA. Man, he really is. Um,
0: Don't let someone write a list and tell you something different. Yeah, facts. Yeah, that's real talk, James. Uh, The Kings are back at it tomorrow. Um, Good win against Oklahoma City. We talked about this homestand. This homestand – Oklahoma City is a a tough team. You got Utah coming up. We'll we'll, we'll get back here and we'll talk about a really – a very spirited Washington Wizards team. Oh, man, a little
3: gutsy, gutsy group of guys But, there.
0: man, the back half of this homestand is brutal. Mm. Uh, so we'll have a good time. Obviously, we'll be following along with everything on Saturday. Uh, we'll be back here to recap it all Monday, get ready for the Wizards game, and get ready for that tough, tough stretch ahead uh, for the Sacramento Kings. We appreciate you guys for being with us. Make sure you hit the thumbs up and subscribe buttons before you go, and we will see you back here. Uh, On Monday, we'll run it back next on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Vamos, Kings.